Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Personal joke, pulling you into, it's all part of it. And um, it's a very amazing lady. And I just want to commend the church. Um, if you do the mats, 200, I think 300 buckets or something were sold, about 270 ended up being filled up. It's about 90,000 rand invested yeah. into the community of the noon and South Five. I think it's phenomenal yeah. and uh, incredibly beautiful to see their lives. And um, amazing, one of the stories, one of the ladies, we were doing the feedback this morning, and one of the ladies who was there, Jen um, Leonard, ran up to the front and said, can I tell a story? She was praying for a lady, but the lady couldn't read the pamphlet that, was, that, that they were given. So um, she ended up praying for her, and the lady st- was able to read the pamphlet. And the first thing the pamphlet said was, speak, he'll give sight to the blind. And um, it's just amazing to see Jesus is in the details. It's not about a bucket of food. It's not about a helicopter program where you jump in and the church jumps out. That's, we've been going into Danoon for seven years with Wayne and Jen and teams. Guys have been going every second week, doing community work, building relationships, building relationships for years after years. This is just part of the fruit of that. And amazing, amazing to see that. But can we actually, can we just pray right now? That actually we would see more supernatural signs and wonders from every one of those buckets. Maybe that bucket goes into a home where there's relational chaos. What if, what if because of one meal from that bucket, peace comes? And the kingdom of God comes and people realize Jesus loves them. What if there's one statement or a little letter that gets reached out because actually a bucket went into a home? I, I believe God can use a bucket. He can just use a bucket. Can we, can we do that, Jesus? I pray right now, God, over every one of those buckets, over not just a moment in a community, but those buckets that will go, the people carry around. I pray for salvations. I pray for healings. I pray for faith. I pray for peace to come in homes, Lord. I pray for more healing of, of eyes and ears, Lord. And I pray for hearts to be reconciled to the King of Kings at this time, God. We thank you for the privilege of being a community who have the access and the means to, to go in and bless. And, and I thank you, Lord that the community of Dimnoon blesses us in such profound ways as well. And we're so grateful, Lord, and we say, thank you, King. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Amen. Amen. Just to mention, sowing in summer, we have two more weeks, which is amazing. Thank you so much to those who have given. Every cent that has been given into sowing in summer goes towards events and moments like this, where we give into other communities, into church planting, and into everything beyond ourselves. None of it will go to this church, the building, the staff, or anything like that. So just so you're aware, if you haven't had an opportunity to give, you can give online, and every single cent will go to Beyond Our Borders. That's exciting. I trust that's exciting. It's exciting for me. And um, again, um, like Tyler was talking, Christmas is just, uh, I really don't believe Jesus necessarily was born on the 25th of December. It doesn't make a huge thing for me. Um, all the symbols, the signs, the jingle bells. I, I just know it's a time where people's hearts open a little bit. Just a, just a little bit sometimes. And they may be just a little bit open to someone inviting them to church, just a little bit open to receiving love, receiving encouragement. Let's be those who take every opportunity. And um, Ephesians 5 says this amazing thing. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Let's realize the days are evil and let's understand that we have an opportunity. We have a story to tell of an amazing king, an amazing savior who was the ultimate gift ever given and he keeps giving life to those who don't have life in him. And we have that privilege. So 
make the point of pray tonight, pray tomorrow, write down on your phone who you want to mention, who you want to speak to, who you want to invite to a moment. And, and it's not even about church. Just tell them about Jesus. Tell them. Tell them your story. Tell them however, whatever story you've got, tell them about what you know about his life and his love for men and women of this world. Is that good? Wonderful. So today we continue our series on, um, on Daniel and we complete it after four quick weeks. I trust it's been good. I trust as you see this guy, Daniel, he's not just some kind of outlier. He, he's just an outlier, you know, one of those guys God used to inspire the church. He's not that guy. It's a picture for every one of us ex- exiles as exiles in this world that God is calling us to engage the world, not to hide from it, not to throw love bombs at it, not to shout at it, not to condemn it. Our, our job is to reveal Jesus to a broken world. Actually, Britt, won't you come up here? I haven't spoken to Britt. She's just, yes. She just got back. Have you heard of something called red frogs? And red frogs go to um, these jaws, um, end of year rage, matrix finish, and they just rage it up. And these guys go, and their job is to go and love people and find kids who are stranded on the streets having had too much to drink and help them get home safely. And, and I don't believe in any way there's any endorsing of alcohol or anything like that. It's a heart because it's going to happen anyway. Why don't we use it for the gospel? Why don't we make the most of every opportunity? And I haven't really asked her, and we haven't even seen her since she got back. But tell us a little bit about what you saw, because this whole series is about being Daniels. We are exiles in this world. We are foreign to this world. We are different. And yet God hasn't hidden us away. And the day we get saved, whoop, gone to heaven. Tell us a little bit about what you saw, maybe. Um, so our main shift, so you have two main shifts, and that's from 9 in the evening till 12, and then 11.30 until 3 in the morning. Um, and basically what you do is um, you just, you're roaming around the festival grounds and um, if you find people passed out, you bring them back to the tent or you just look after drunk people and you're just building relationships with people. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was people kept coming back. Um, I met these two guys on the first night and they came and found me every night for a week and just chatted to me. They learned my schedules because they could see that there was something there. And just um, people who go to Rage, they can't comprehend the fact that volunteers come to look after drunk people, get vomited on, get three hours of sleep, go to people's houses and make pancakes for free, do their dishes just because they want to. <coughs> Sorry. Um, and just how, how in, their, in their mind they're like, they, they can see that there's something there and they keep coming back. And we've had so many um, people, like the two guys that I met there, they said they're going to come back next year. They're gonna, they want a red frog. They're excited to get stuck in because people can see the power of service yeah. and the power of love. And there's so many questions of why do you choose to do this? Why, why would you look after us when you could be having fun? So this was actually my rage. I matriculated this year. And that's like such a great conversation starts and people are like, why wouldn't you rage and why are you red frogging? And just just how being able to explain to them that, that I love people and I love serving people and this is the cool. best way I know how to do that. And just to see God working, we've had people um, chat to some frogs and be like, can you pray for me? Um, I want to recommit my life to the Lord. Um, and just generally people coming up and being like, you saved my life. Um, you had such an impact on my life. And just, just to see the, the seeds that have been planted and just, just people who, who know them more. 
which is incredible. Brilliant. I think that's cool. I, I, I honestly don't believe our mission is to hide from the world. I believe our mission is to love the world. Our mission is to reveal Jesus to the world. And there's a whole bunch of wisdom behind the planning of it. There's leadership. There's prayer meetings. There's people who have to be connected to local churches so they themselves are walking a story that they can stand the environment. But with that wisdom comes a heart to impact, to love, to reach out. And who knows what seeds are planted? Who knows? I, I, I know from my own friends and stories how God has encountered them in the worst of places. Jesus doesn't need us to be in a church with a piano playing in the background so that he can encounter us. He really doesn't. And so he calls people to be stories and to live these stories. And Daniel 6 is one of these. I want to jump into Daniel 6. Are you ready to read the word of God? Okay, that wasn't good enough. This is the Bible. I didn't write it. It's far better than anything I could write. I mean, this section especially is epic. Why don't you stand with me and we're going to read the Bible together. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius. He's the new king. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this stage, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. So they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and force the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty issued the decree and put in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went and got grumpy and complained on Hello Peter about the king. Did he do that? Oh, no. He went to kingdarius.com and commented. No, no, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. I mean, how amazing is that? A foreign evil king 
praying for him. It says, A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of the nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I found I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I decree, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. This is the king who wanted to be worshipped himself. It says, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. God, I thank you for your word. I believe every statement in this word is true and happened. I believe those lions were there waiting to eat him. I believe there was a king who, who was frustrated and didn't understand. I believe there were people going after your man. And yet, God, I believe you were on your throne in control every step of the way. And you still are. I believe you long to see people encounter the king of kings, whether they are evil kings of this world, whether they were the accusers of your people, whether they are 18-year-olds who don't have a way forward and all they know is to rage, Lord, I believe they are designed to worship you. And I believe you are called us, your sons and daughters, to encounter and reveal your goodness and your grace. Have your way with us, I pray, God. Amen. Won't you throw me that, Ed? Water. Amazing scripture, eh? I mean, I read that and it's just unbelievably powerful. My boy thought it was about him until I started reading about the lions and then he realized it wasn't about him. But I want to make a few simple statements from this incredible, incredible book. A, a, a story, a history story of what happened in this time of Daniel. I believe every word of this is true. I don't believe it's an analogy. I don't believe it's a story God thought would be helpful for his church. I believe Daniel was a man. I believe King Darius was a man. I believe this, the kingdom's reality. There's enough history to back it up that these times happened. And I believe that there were lions. They were hungry. And Daniel had seen people thrown into the lion's pit many times before as one of the rulers in the land. And he had this roller coaster journey of years as four different kings had come in. And now King Darius is on the throne under the previous king, um, this Daniel had lost his position of authority because he, he wasn't popular with the king. And now all of a sudden the king says, actually, I don't want to encounter loss or experience loss. So I want a man who years ago to Nebuchadnezzar was honest enough and integrous enough to be honest to say, actually, the vision and the dream you've had, king, is a prophecy of your future and your own demise. 
Imagine being a king. You've got a whole nation to choose from, but you've got a man who stood against a previous king as an exile and spoke the truth. And it happened. And here we encounter King Darius. But I want to make a few simple points from this amazing story that I trust will settle on us. The first point is this. That this journey of standing for Jesus and encountering is the long game. And I realize that because most of us struggle in our walk with God, not about who God is, it's about the timings of how God does and doesn't do in our life. Been praying for healing for one month, one day, one year, one decade, 30 years. Been trusting God for some promises that you believe He's spoken to you for one week, two weeks. Ah, Lord, where are you? I prayed on Wednesday for this breakthrough. It's Wednesday night. Are you still alive? Standing on the roof, beating our fists at God. Why? Because that's the generation we're in. We want everything. We want it now. We want it on our terms and our timings. Take a lot. I ordered it on Wednesday. It's now Friday. Where is it? I mean, that's the world we live in. Hello, Peter. Website complaining. That's the world we live in. And we've got to understand that in this journey with Daniel, there's the picture of just the life lived in exile. And actually, the commentators would say he, would into, he went into exile around the age of between 15 and 17. That's when he went into exile. That's when the story begins under Nebuchadnezzar. And he starts eating food that doesn't, well, he doesn't eat the food that won't defile him. And he makes a stand as a 17-year-old. See, I made some stands as a 17-year-old. But God says, I want you to keep making stands. And this story takes place around the age of 80 to 83. 67 years to 68, 69 years difference. 67 years he's walked in exile. 67 years he's faced up to the challenges of foreign kings who are evil kings. 67 years he's walked this road of a straight street amidst the chaos of life and the possibilities of profile. See, he had profile. He had all the privilege of the land in Babylon. And yet for 67 years he walked a road. Isn't that challenging to you? Challenging to me. I would have gone like 81, 83. Surely God doesn't want me to die by lions. You know, I've been so good for God. I've stood and walked this road. Surely God really doesn't want me. So God wouldn't mind now after this whole walk just to just take one for the team. You know, I'm just going to, yeah, King Darius, no problem, man. I'll just keep my window closed. I'll still worship behind a window. No, for 67 years, he'd worshipped. For 67 years, he'd seen the faithfulness of God. For 67 years in exile, he'd held on to the promises of God. And I think it's an incredible, incredible challenge to us and this generation at this time. We're an impatient generation. We're in, in an impatient world. And God's saying, actually, at this time, will you understand that I'm higher then and greater then. And there's this Daniel challenge right up front to us that actually, will we trust God for the journey and will we face up faithfully trusting God, dot, 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 with patience. And I told a story this morning. I have an amazing man named Moses who, when we, I realized I knew nothing about gardening and I knew nothing about keeping a garden clean. It's a very specific art that I'm not good at. I looked at my neighbor's garden, and he had a lovely garden. And then I met a man named Moses who helped my neighbor once a month. So I went to Moses and said, Moses, please help me. But he said, no problem. So Moses helps us once a month with our garden, and he's teaching me. And he's teaching my wife gardening. We don't know. We're clueless. Sharon helps us a bit, and she puts purple flowers in our garden without us even knowing sometimes. Her and Moses conspire. We don't even know, and there are flowers there. We're like, how did they get there? No, Sharon came. But Moses, I've got to know over some time. 
And one day I needed to contact Moses and I looked at his WhatsApp profile because I didn't know a lot about Moses, but all I knew about Moses, he always came to work with a smile. He always got there on time. He always had an incredible attitude and his shoes were always shined. Always dressed impeccably. Didn't matter what the weather was. Didn't matter what was going on. Always there. Until I opened up WhatsApp and I saw his picture on the top left and I pushed on the picture and I see a picture of Moses with a Bible in this hand and a finger like this with a microphone. I'm going, hang on. See, Moses is an educated man from Malawi who due to visa issues and circumstances cannot work in the field that he's qualified for. So Moses works in gardens of people he's probably more qualified than for a wage that he deserves far more than. And he doesn't sit on a grumpy stool every Sunday morning, Saturday night. He, he spends his time in the Word so that on the Sunday morning he can preach the gospel of the living God that he's called to preach in a foreign land as an exile without privilege or profile. And so the other day I needed a DIY project and I thought I was running the project until Moses arrived and then he put me on the compactor. I said, go that way. So I'm, yes, Moses. And I'm walking around just, my forearms feel like people have been stabbing me because I've been holding a compactor for two days as Moses pointed and told me where to go. Because a man's stature before the living God has got nothing to do with the job he does. A man's calling and ability and integrity and, and wealth and worth has got nothing to do with what the world sees of them or whatever role or profile they've got. It's got to do with everything of how they hold into their God in the toughest times. It's easy to praise God when it's good. It's easy to praise God when I'm in my nation with my visa issues sorted, with my opportunities available. And yet I encounter a man who does exactly what I do on a Sunday. But during the week, he cannot do what he should be doing because of visa issues, because he's in exile. And I'm going, wow, Jesus, you teach me through amazing things and amazing people. And this guy comes doesn't matter, with his shoes intact. And then I start meeting his friends, and I start meeting his world, and he's an influential man. I'm going, God, you've got to teach me some of these things. Is that, is that story all right? I mean, it's like, I don't know. I want to be a Daniel. I want to be a Moses. When I'm older in my years, and I'm facing challenge and trial, and my opportunities are limited, I still praise the king. It's easy to praise Jesus when times are good. Second point about Daniel that I love is this. He had healthy habits. You want to you want to be a Daniel? You want to say, well, how do I walk this life for 67 years? Well, I have healthy habits. He had this healthy habits. It wasn't eating spinach in the morning with his Nutri-Bullet. It was praying three times a day. And that's all he did. It says this. Now, Daniel learned that the decree had been published. So Daniel's, oh, the decree's published. It's a law now. I can go to the lion's den. He doesn't waste time worrying about that. He gets on with what he does every day. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. If, if I think if it didn't have that last little line, it would have held a lot less weight. If now the decree is placed, and now he's going to make a statement, never done it before, but open up the windows and let the world see that I'm praising God, I think it would have lacked a lot of authority. But every day for 67 years in exile, he chose a room where he could look towards Jerusalem because his heart was there. And for 67 years, there's morning, afternoon, and evening, he gets and he goes and prays. He leaves the opulence and the privilege of, a, of being one of the three seniors in a nation 
where he could have been having lunch with the Lani's and eating sushi with all the Babylonian kings, he leaves and he goes and prays to his God. It's just what he does. It's just a healthy habit. What are your healthy habits, sir or man? See, because I believe as we read a book like Daniel, something inside of us should go, I want that story. I want to count for God. I want to see something amazing in my life. In my lifetime, I want to see something amazing, which might look like lions. But I'm telling you, lions have many faces in 2018, 2017. What year are we in? 2017. Yeah. In 2017, lions have many different faces. It looks like peer pressure of 18-year-olds. It looks like the voices that are shouting and roaring at us around consumerism. Lions have many faces. God's saying, I want you to tackle the lions. I honestly believe at this time, in this era, we've got to stop spending so much time obsessing about not being like the world and give all our time and energy to being like Jesus. I'm watching social media and I'm watching people's lives. It's like, I'm not like this and I'm not like this. Well, what are you? Well, who do you want to be? No, I want to be like Jesus. Well, give your energy to that and leave that. Because what will happen when you give your energy to this? You won't be that. And you'll become like Jesus. You know what will happen? The world will find it attractive. And they will ask, hey, Brit, why would you do this? No, well, it's my year of service. I have to do it. Bong. No, I love Jesus. And he loves you. And I will be here at two in the morning even though you are living chaotic lives. Because in the midst of your chaos, there's a prince of peace who wants to break into your chaos and bring peace and freedom. That's who we are. And we get stuck into the safety of all these things. And Daniel just had this bad habit of prayer. What are the healthy habits in your life? You want to live a life like Daniel? Get healthy habits. Just get them. I would suggest prayer. I would suggest reading the Word of God. I would suggest spending time with people who can build you up and edify you. And I'd also suggest making sure that you have an influence into the world around you. Just healthy habits. And eat spinach for breakfast as well. It's also good for you. Just, I'm not saying anything. I've eaten spinach four times this week for breakfast. I'm feeling amazing. Maybe I should eat less. Oh, thank you. Thank you. He's not going to be a Daniel. Number three. And um, you want, we live in a world and I, I want profile for God. I want influence for God. Don't you want influence? To influence is not a leadership or a role. The influence is just the ability to influence. I think, I remember in the corporate workspace, there was a lady, she would come around, she would serve people while they got on with their work. And in many people's mindsets, she wasn't an influencer. And yet you ask the person who influenced most people's days, it was that lady. As she walked around with a smile on her face, loving her job, appreciative for her role that she plays. Understand, influence doesn't look like a title. Influence doesn't look like a role. Influence looks like the, the influence that you have into people's worlds. And as God, as we understand this stuff, understand Daniel, it says they were looking for it in 67 years. They would have gone on Google, Babylon.com, and looked for, for this guy, Daniel, and they could find no corruption in him. What an incredible testimony of a government official who would have had opportunities every day to influence and to bring glory to himself and to steal money and to put aside. He said they couldn't find a single thing. It's a great, great testimony. Make a stand for Jesus. If you're a boss and a business owner and an employer at this time, make a stand for Jesus. Pay people properly. Give them bonuses if you can afford to. 
and stretch of faith to do it. And watch the living God break in. I'm being serious. It's that real and that practical. I'm tired of hearing stories of bosses promising bonuses and employment structures and, and all sorts of incentives and on the 22nd of December deciding actually they need more money for their holiday home. So they just cancel it all and tell their managers underneath them to tell people they're not getting the bonus. I'm tired of hearing that. And I'm tired of hearing that actually on a Sunday they go to church. I just don't want to hear that anymore. Because if we're going to impact this world, that's got to change. Number four, there's a higher law. There's a higher law. There's a higher law than the law of this earth. It's called the law of heaven. And I don't know, when you read the story, I kind of think, well, surely Moses, not Moses, I keep saying Moses, Daniel. Daniel could have, could have gone, well, surely I have to submit to the king. Don't I? The Bible says, honor those in authority. Pray for them even. Listen to the laws of the land. And yet I would say as we encounter the word of God, there is this mandate that there's a higher law, the law of God, the law of the living God, that where the law of a man, the law of a government cuts across that, we have to make a stand as believers. It's not going to be popular and it could you end up in jail. I'm just, it's the truth. Maybe in a lion's den. And yet Daniel made a decision for 67 years. He had prayed. This was his habit. He wasn't making a statement. He wasn't trying to be a showy Christian. He was just trying to make, do what he did every day. He didn't waste time getting posters. How can the king do this? He didn't waste time all over Facebook complaining about hashtag Darius.com. He just got on with what he was called to do, which was to praise God. And it says amazing thing as he did that. He gave thanks to God. I don't know about you, but I'd be on my knees. Jesus, Father, I'm here. I just want to pray you. Get me out of here, please, Lord. What does he do? He goes, he opens his window and says, Thank you, God, that you have placed me in Babylon at this time. And the King Darius to serve. Thank you that I will continue to worship you. You want to see the kingdom of heaven come? Well, bring it. Bring it. Stop praying for it to come. Be it. The gospel is so real and so alive. We have to understand that God is calling us to live lives where lions will be tamed by the power of the living God. This is not some faith kind of get you hyped up, go out, tame a lion. Please don't try to wrestle a lion tonight. It's like parishioner, church parishioner goes and meets lion eaten because of the word. (laughs) Don't do that. I'm talking about bigger lions. Like greed, like fraud. How staggering is this whole Steinoff deal? It's staggering. If you have don't know much about it, go and read about greed, about educated men and women being pulled up into an evil system because they didn't know what else to do, and they pulled and pulled along, and it's causing chaos. But here's my favorite point, and this was actually what I wanted to call the series at one stage was just this. The safest place. Because as I read the story and I understand the story, that if God is with Brit and she's amidst chaos, she's in the safest place because God is with her. That as Daniel is in a lion's den with lions who want to eat him and he's seen them eat people time after time again, the safest place Daniel can be is in the lion's den. And the safest place Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego can be is in a fire. How can I say that? Well, I just say that because I know my God. I know my God, I've seen him. He is faithful and he is true to every one of his words. And the gospel we proclaim is not a gospel of great understanding. 
It's not a gospel of good feelings. It's a gospel of power and of might. And God calls us to understand. Where's your safest place? I said this morning, I was driving from Tableview to Milnerton, and there were a whole bunch of people at the bus stop, at the Mass City bus stop, ready to go jol it up at the sevens, which I think is awesome and fun. But I noticed amongst this group, there was a gr- group of young ladies wearing hardly anything, going to watch rugby, which I'm not sure they were that interested in. I'm just being honest. I'm not judging them on their attire. I'm just telling you, they're looking for a safe space. They're putting themselves up there because they think a safe space is in the arms of a man they might find at a rugby event. And I'm telling you, it's not a safe space. The safest place for you and I is in the embrace of the living God, in intimacy with the living God. And we need to live a life that shows that to people, that pulls them into a higher story and give them a reason to make a decision for this king rather than just a moment. God's calling us into these stories. Is that all right? And, and... I mean, David, the safest place David could be as a 16-year-old with this thing was on a battlefield facing a Goliath. Why? Because his God was with him. Do you trust the mighty hand of God in your life? Because I'm telling you now, on this journey of 67, 87, 100 years, there are going to be moments where you have no option but to. There have been moments in my life as I've worshipped God for 25 years, I can mention three or four moments where I'm going, God, if not you. When Daniel was five, six weeks old in the womb, we went for a scan and they told us he's, he's 100% Down syndrome. And I had to go and say, God, if that is the decree, then I promise you I will still worship you. I promise you I will still praise you, but I still believe you are the healer and I still believe you are the miracle worker. And when that little boy came out, he was 100% fine. It's got nothing to do with Down syndrome. If he'd come out Down syndrome, I would have loved him for the rest of his life, no less. But I felt like God had something different. But there's going to be moments where you're going to find yourself on your knees facing a lion. And it might be a diagnosis of a doctor. Maybe right now financial challenges. Maybe relational challenges. Maybe just lonely. And you hate Christmas. Will you find your safest place in the living God? At this time. Why? Because Psalm 46 says this, and, and it's the context, and, and there's a little bit, it's not fully understood, but most commentators say you've got this king, King Hezekiah in Judah, and they're surrounded by an army, 185,000 people uh, waiting to attack them. And he's sitting in a city of Jerusalem going, what do we do now, God? They've taken 200,000 of our people. We are sitting ducks here. So how does he respond? Oh, running around town. Where's God? Where's God? No, it's not what he does. He doesn't go and drop it up at the table. Oh, God's not here. They're coming. I might as well drink the finest wine for the night. No, his response is a response of someone who knows God. And he writes this. God is our safest place and our strength. He is always our help when we are in trouble. So we will not be afraid, even if the earth is shaken and the mountains fall into the center of the sea, and even if waters go wild with storm and the mountains shake with its action, there is a river whose waters make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High lives. God is in the center of her. She will not be moved. God will help her with the morning, when the morning comes. The people made noise. The nations fell. He raised his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of all is with us. The God of Jacob is our strong place. 
Is the word of God alive to you? Because when I read that, something inside of me goes, my God is mighty. My God is strong. He is faithful and true. And he is my strong tower to whom I will keep running. And if there are challenges and there are fears, well, how can you raise children in this world? Well, I can raise children in this world because my God is with me and he is with them. I'm a little bit excited about this. What does this look like in 2018 as you enter next year and you're planning? You say, well, I've got a tough works environment, Mark. Well, I would say stop praying that God takes you out of it, spending all your time and energy petitioning God to get you out of there, and maybe just thank Him that you have a job in an economy where most people don't. Maybe just praise Him that you have an opportunity to impact for Him and trust Him to turn that environment around because you are there. Pray for a strategy that if your business is really sinking now and they are lacking profits because there's recession, because you are there, pray that God would give you an idea. That when your boss, Bob, brings an idea in the, in the meeting room and everyone else goes, well, I don't want to offend Bob. Great idea, Bob. You might be a Daniel go, hey, Bob, I don't think that's such a good idea, but I'm not just going to tell you it's a bad idea. I'm going to give you a, another idea that could change our business. I believe that's who we are. It's who you are. You're called to be. You're struggling with people around you in relationships and the influence of this person, influence will start influencing them. Find yourself in the safest place in the presence of God and become an influencer and understand that you can influence them. Why? Because there's grace inside of you and it's powerful. It's Jesus. But there's a last line which captivates me. Verse 28. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. He prospered. I would say to you that our gospel is a gospel of prospering. How can I say that? Well, let me read Psalm 1 to you. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And for Daniel lunchtime, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Oh, Mark, you don't know my boss. No, no. Whatever they do, prospers. Oh, Mark, you don't know the economy. No, no. Whatever they do, prospers. Oh, Mark, you don't know my wife. No, whatever they do, prospers. It's not my words. It's the living God. It's Psalm 1. It's like, good to start at number one. There's a promise of prosperity to God's people as exiles in tough times with kings and bosses who don't like them necessarily and don't like what they stand for. And yet I promise you it's those very same bosses that will come looking to you when they're looking for men and women of integrity, men and women of influence, and men and women they can trust. They should come looking for us. For us. God didn't have to take Daniel out of Babylon to make him prosper. God made him prosper in his worst place. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, prosper. And I think this is a tough word for us as we understand that God is calling us to influence. What are your lions right now? Can we stand? What are your lions right now? What are your fiery pits? What are the things that are consuming your time where you should be running to prayer and three times a day finding yourself in your healthy habits Maybe you've spent the week on News 24 just reading about Steinhoff because your pension fund's been affected by it and you're worried about your future. It's a real thing. I would say stop wasting time. I would say put your faith, put your 
your energy, your time, and invest your emotions in what is true and stands for eternity and into eternity. The promise of a living God who is alive. And allow Him in that safe place. Forget the 180,000 enemy waiting to attack. Forget the lions waiting to eat you and forget the fire waiting to burn you. And give your attention to the one who deserves it all. And when we do that, whatever they do, they will prosper. Can we lift our hands to God tonight? God, I, I, I preach this word with fear and trepidation in some part because I know you're going to call us to walk these journeys. I know you're calling us your church, and your church is not the moral majority anymore. Your church is becoming a minority, and you're calling us to stand. You're calling us to worship in tough times, and you're telling us and reminding us that there's a world watching. And our worship is Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, in the boardrooms, at the lunch tables, at the Christmas parties. That is our worship to the living God. It's the way we treat our wives. It's the way the decisions we make to honor with salaries owed to those who work for us, God. I pray, Spirit of God, empower us at this time to be a Daniel generation. Just exiles in a foreign land. In some part, longing to be with you in heaven. And yet you said, I want you to make the most of every opportunity. For the time is evil. I pray, Spirit of God, would you challenge us with this series and the story. I pray, God, would you cause us to make changes. I pray even for one simple, healthy habit to come into our lives. And the courage and the strength to make those changes. And I thank you for your gospel, God, at this time. I pray over these men and women as they go out, give them courage to, to share the gospel, the good news of the living God. Not even to wait for a Christmas meeting. They don't need a Christmas meeting. I pray under the power of your spirit, would they share the gospel and would lives change? Yes. And would men and women make decisions to worship the living God, to bow their knee in faith and in power to see salvation come? I thank you for your word, God. We honor your word at this time, God. Uh, we might do silly things at times, God, but your word we don't take lightly. And I pray that your word will be upon us. I pray for some, they will dream of this man, Daniel. They find themselves reading your word and power coming. I thank you, God. Amen.